welcome to our ninth episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We are your hosts, Charlie. And this is Russell. Russell, I hear that we have some new exciting stuff going on. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, I want to announce the addition of our new website, um, www.twotankersandcat.com. www.twotankersandcat.com. Our website will continually be updated with everything we're doing here at our podcast, Two Tankers and a Cat. And if you do enjoy the show, I ask that you please help support the production costs. There are some costs that goes along with putting a show like this together. For example, our web and file hosting site that we go to, which is the Podbean site. And the bandwidth costs a little bit too. By clicking on the donate button on our website, which is off to the right, just a little ways down, you'll see it when you bring the site up. All it takes is just clicking that particular button there, the donate button. And at this time, the donations will be accepted through PayPal only. Well, you know, people have been, you know, giving us messages over and over about, hey, we'd love to help you out. And uh, so this is the way they can do it through PayPal? Yeah, through PayPal at this time. Um, we're looking into a Patreon or similar donation page into the in the future um, that we might use. We're still looking at that, though. But at this time, it's, it's PayPal. It's really simple. You just push that button, and everything's pretty self-explanatory after that. Well, I hate to say it, but old guys like me, I only understand PayPal, so I'll be using PayPal. And you said it's just www.twotankersandacat.com? Yeah, that well, is their new webpage. That's, that's easy for the old guys like me to remember. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually, once it gets sucked into the, the Google search or any other search engine um which shouldn't take too long you can probably look it up by that too by just your search engine that you go to and we me and russell want to thank you for all your support um so that you can help us keep our tank dreams alive um i know that we we can't announce it yet but we're actually kicking around in june going up to toronto i believe Yes. Uh-huh. And, and what's the name of the tank fest up there? I believe it's the Aquino Tank Fest just outside of Toronto. Now, is there any way we can do a, a little podcast from there or maybe, you know, do some video or something? Yeah, we can probably do something live, um, kind of like we did from our Fort Benning trip back in November of 2018. We can probably do some live feeds or something like that through our uh, YouTube channel. You know, I, I people are saying, wait, wait a minute. Canadian Tank Fest. What, what, what's this about? It, it's called the Aquila, or what's the name of that? Because uh, I know you can actually pull up um, the website, but uh, at this Tank Fest in Can uh, Canada, it's in Toronto. And if you've never been to Toronto, this would be a good time to go, because below Toronto, of course, everybody knows Niagara Falls. And you want to go see that. That's an amazing place. Uh, when you're pulling up closer and closer, you can just feel the rumble in your chest of the falls. But then you go a little bit, uh, I believe, south of Toronto. And what's the name of the tank fest? Aquino? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a Quino tank fest. And it's, what, June 9th and 10th. Uh, well, I'm going to say a Quino. If I'm getting it wrong, please message us, because we all know that Charlie gets every city wrong. <laughs> We're going to talk about the uh, Churchill tank today and uh, the uh, where the first raid for uh, into France happened. Uh, it's I call it Dieppe. And he's like, no, you're getting that wrong again. But we all know that Charlie gets the city names wrong. I'm trying to do better because that's like 90% of our messages. Um, the people that we work with actually will meet us at the front door as soon as a podcast comes out at the police department. And they'll go, Charlie, you, you got to learn how to you know, say these cities correctly. <laughs> it's just terrible. Um, but... Like I said, we're going to be there, um, or we're planning on being there. Um, again, it's this year, 2019, and Saturday, 8th uh, June, and it lasts till Sunday, June uh, 2019. And I, I kind of got off the subject that you can actually rent, or not rent, get tickets to ride like Leopard Tanks, M60s, T-54s, um, they were a little expensive. Um, myself, I'm going to be riding the Battle Bus. Uh, it's basically the M548 Battle Bus. Um, and they also have like a little uh, $10, if you pay them 10 bucks, you can get a ride in a five-ton five army tank, or a truck. I, sorry, not tank, truck. But uh, I think it's going to be a great time. We're going to go up there and... Uh, you know, we're going to announce where we're going to be for lunch. And if you guys want to come and if you're local or you're, you're coming to Canada, you're going to be in the Toronto area around there. Yeah. You can meet with us. Uh, you can buy us lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and since I'm a big guy, bring lots of cash. <laughs> but um, then we're going to go down to Niagara Falls and see all that. I, I still think that you don't need a passport to get into Canada. The last time I was up there, they took my uh, driver's license. Well, I'll I'll leave you with that, and well, I'll have my passport. But I I don't know what to tell you. I guess I can enjoy tanks while you're I'll on have, the American side. I'll you? have my passports. <laughs> Gosh. Um, let's get back to what the episode is today. Uh, the episode is on the Churchill tank, and this is another tank that a lot of people hate. Um, the, this tank has got so much negative about it. I love this tank. Um, the, uh, you know, some of the haters will say, well, it was an infantry, infantry t- tank that, you know, it, it didn't go very fast. Uh, uh, the armor was flat. Um, but a lot of negatives that it came with a two pounder gun. And what do we say a two pounder gun was a 57, no, a 40 millimeter I think it was 40 millimeter, but, um, yeah, when it first came out, it just had a little two pounder, but it saw action everywhere. And it's just, to me, it's an amazing tank. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the Churchill Russ? Yeah. The Churchill tank began life as a 1939 requirement that envisioned a return to trench warfare. And was therefore slow and heavily armored like the Russian KV-1 series. 
That said, the final Churchill prototype was much lighter than had first been ex- thought acceptable, although it was still resembled a World War I tank in appearance. It was rushed into production at the time when a cross-channel invasion seemed imminent. It suffered early reliability problems and was not fully introduced until 1943. Wow. So, again, World War One was such a horrible war, and, and it was, you know, in the trenches and stuff like that. So they had the general idea that, oh, no, we're going to get stuck in the trenches, we're going to be in the mud. And when Hitler brought in, or the Germans brought in the Blitzkrieg, um, they were... You know, Blitzkrieg is what speed hit them hard, and the infantry tank, like the Churchills, wasn't made for speed. Um, go ahead and give us some more information for us. The Churchill Mark IV was a British heavy infantry tank used in the Second World War. It was best known for its heavy armor, so it was a heavy tank, large longitudinal chassis with all-around tracks with multiple bogies, its ability to climb steep slopes, and its use as the basis of many specialist vehicles. It was one of the heaviest Allied tanks of World War II. Now, when we say specialist vehicles, um, that's because the Churchill was also used as a uh, uh, tank uh, tow truck. Uh, It was used as a bridge layer. It was used as a flamethrower. It had multiple uses. The Churchill was used by British and Commonwealth forces in the North African campaign in Italy and also in Northwestern Europe. In addition, a few hundred were supplied to the USSR and used on the Eastern Front. Now, when they talk about using it in the USSR, that's a Lend-Lease, correct? Yes, that's the Lindley's program. And I think we were looking earlier, and I think there was like 900 and, or 344 cent, but like 91 got sunk. Yeah, through the Arctic whenever they were transporting them, yes. Yeah, to get these uh, vehicles and, and this Lindley's aid that was coming in, they were going through the Arctic, and they would sink these. And we've talked about this before, but to know that there's 91 Churchills at the bottom of the ocean just still sitting there, uh, I, I I so wish that I had the money to pull these tanks up and redo them. It, wouldn't that be great? Oh, it would, yeah, because you know they're still sitting there at the bottom of the Arctic Ocean now. Now, how did the Churchill get its name? Uh, the Churchill tank was named after Prime Minister Winston Churchill, who had promoted the development of the tank in the First World War. Churchill told Field Marshal Jean Smuts, that is the tank they named after me when they found out it was no damn good. (laughs) You got to love Churchill. (laughs) Yeah, if you've never uh, read about uh, Prime Minister Churchill, it it was great. So he's like, oh, they found out the tank wasn't any good. Now, again, that's Churchill saying, wow, this tank isn't very good. I enjoy it. I, I if you look at its history, this is a great tank. And we're going to get more into the battles and some of the stuff that it was in. Um, what else do you, information do you have on that? The name only 
incidentally matched what became the British Army practice of giving service names, beginning with C, to cruiser tanks, such as the Coventer, Crusader, and the later Cromwell, Cavalier, and Comet. Infantry tank naming had no particular pattern. Post-war, the merging of the cruiser and infantry tank lines in the universal or main battle tanks continued with C names, the Centurion, Conqueror, Chieftain, and Challenger. Why in the world did they name everything with a C? That's uh, a good question. I'm not sure on that. You know what? I've got friends. Um, there's actually a Facebook uh, group called uh, Friends of the Tanks Museum. And uh, one of the guys in there, Ian, I might have to message him or have him call yeah, in. Yeah, I'd love for, I'd love him to call in and say, here's why they call it the sea. Yeah. The sea. Yeah. Because he'll give it a, he'll give the, you know, the definition or why it was done, then I'm going to feel stupid again. <laughs> but Russ, hey, we're here to learn too, so. And no doubt, we are here to learn. Um, Russ, give us some stats on the tank. Like we talked about before, it was an infantry heavy tank out of the United Kingdom. It's seen service between 1941 and 1952. Used by several different countries. Used by the United Kingdom, Soviet Union, Canada, Ireland, and Poland. You know, I also know um, that's the official what, you know, the facts are. But I know that they sent some to the Australians. But after the delays in shipping, they were kind of like, eh, we won't need as many that we're supposed to get. But they were stationed in Australia. I think there's actually an Australian tank museum that has one. Yeah, I think I have run across that museum. We'll have to put that on our to-do list. Well, give us some of the production history. Uh, the designer was Harland and Wolf, also designed by the Vauxhall Motors Company in England. It was manufactured by Vauxhall Motors. Now, you were saying your dad had a Vauxhall? He had an old Vauxhall car, I remember, when I was a kid. Uh, I think it was one of his first cars, believe it or not. So, yeah, they they probably shipped a few over here of the cars to for the Americans to drive around. We, wouldn't it be great if you could find it out there? Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what happened to that car, to be honest with you. Um, what were the years of production? They were produced from 1941 to 1945, and there was a total of about 5,640 built. Now, there was tons of variants, and, and when we bounce around and talk about the different campaigns and stuff, there was like uh, the original Mark uh, Churchill 1 all the way up to Churchill 8, I believe. Yeah. But, again, they all were very, very similar. The Churchill tank, when you see it, is once you see it once, you'll always be able to identify a Churchill. <laughs> it is very unique. Yes, uh, they are. And maybe that's why I love this tank so much. But uh, one of my favorites is the Churchill 8. had the Centurion. Uh, yes, it really did have a Centurion uh, turret on it. And a 17-pounder gun. Yeah. And we've talked about the 17-pounder. It was on the Firefly. Uh, it was used to take out the Tiger tanks and stuff like that. 
Let's go ahead and talk about the service history. I do want to point out while we're talking about the different variants, the Churchill Four, there were 1,600 of those, and also 1,400 of the Churchill Sevens. So those would have been the main, the most produced of the of the different variants. And that was in 1943, I believe. Yeah, 1943. Yeah. You know, we didn't cover the speed and the armor and the armaments. Maybe we should do a little bit more about the stats because people, let's be honest, this thing had a lot of variants. Oh, yeah. Same look, yeah. a lot of different variants. Yeah, yeah the uh, heavy tank weighed anywhere from about 39 to 40 tons. That was its weight. They pretty much about 24 and a half feet long. That's a long tank. That is long. And about 10 foot, 8 inches wide. Oh, well, we like the wide tank. Hey, we do. But get this. It was only about 8 foot, 2 inches high. Which? Shorter than the last tank that we actually talked about. The the Lee. The M3 Lee, yeah. My Lee that's 10 foot tall and bulletproof. (laughs) America. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, 8 foot. Still, uh, what kind of crew were we talking about? It had five crew members. It had a commander, a gunner, a loader slash radio operator. It had a driver and a co-driver slash hole gunner. You know, the British trying to, you know, compact everybody's jobs and specialize everybody. So the loader was the actual radio operator. Yes. And they did the same thing with the Lee when they made, they said, no, no, we're not going to have a separate space or you know yeah stuff that's true we're gonna make our commander the radio guy but they needed an extra driver for the thing because it was so wide but also (laughs) it was the guy was also a hole gunner yeah so the crew in these things had to be really specialized yeah that is yeah that's what it looks nice what kind of armor are we talking about for the churchill one through six it had 102 millimeter Whole front armor, 89 millimeter on the sides, and 51 millimeters on the rear. The turret had 89 millimeters on the front and 76 on the sides and rear. Now, the Mark, what, 7 and the Mark 8 had a little bit more armor in the front? Yes, it did. They had uh, the Mark 7 and 8 had 152 millimeters armor on the hull and the turret front and 95 millimeters on the sides of the hull and the sides of the turret and the rear of the tank had 51 millimeters now when we've talked about tanks in the past we've actually even talked about some of the armor was one inch thick um to see this thing with 152 millimeters of front armor that's just amazing but the problem and I've seen documentaries where the British troops or tankers had told them, quit making the armor flat. If you look at the, the Churchill, and please go look at some of the pictures. You're going to put some pictures. Of the oh, Churchill. yes. There'll be tons of pictures, just like always on our Facebook site. Excellent. Because we got a lot of compliments on the Lee picture that we put out. Yeah, good. Yeah. But the armor was flat. And if you know anything about... Um, armor and stuff like that angled armor will cause you know uh, deflections ricochets Ricochets, yeah yeah. 
and your flat armor is going to take it head on. So they're like, why can't you just angle this stuff for us? <laughs> and they're like, we're getting shot right through, th- you know, the, uh, thanks for the extra armor. Could you yeah. put it in an angle for us? But uh, they never did. The, the only angle they ever had was on the Churchill um, Mark 8 that had the Centurion hull. Yeah, the, the Churchills, um, the different variants, had different types of main armament on them, too. Uh, the Mark One and Two had what the British called a two-pounder gun. It was actually a forty-millimeter gun. Oh no way! Yeah, that much armor and that big a tank, and it's yeah. got the little forty-millimeter gun on it. Oh that. no! The Mark Three and Mark Four had what the British called a six-pounder gun, uh, which was the same as a fifty-seven-millimeter gun on it. Now. The six pounder fifty seven, the T thirty four Soviet tank when it came out it had the fifty seven I believe. I, yeah. And so they're they're like okay this two pounder's not cutting it we're gonna have to give it a little bit more umph. So they bumped it up to that, and they had a bunch of these barrels, uh, these fifty seven barrels right, and they weren't happy with that. And you said earlier that they bored them out, made them in a seventy five. Yeah, they actually, the Mark Six and Mark Seven Churchills, they had a, what they called a QF 75 millimeter gun, and those were actually obtained by boring out the, the six pounder 57 millimeter gun. So they just bored them out to make them a little bigger. So they're finding out that six pounders aren't working really well, and they're like, hey, hey, hey. We need a little more oomph, kind of like the Americans, you know, at least have a 75 millimeter. What else kind of armament do they have? Uh, They have also a 95 millimeter gun, uh, howitzer gun uh, on the Mark V and the Mark VIII heavy Churchill tanks. Now, you were saying they had some machine guns on those, didn't they? The secondary armament, they had two 7.92 millimeter BASA Machine guns. No, but the base of machine gun, wasn't that based on a Czechoslovakian? Yeah, it was a Czechoslovakian uh, ZB-53 air-cooled machine gun is what the British based that on. Basically, they got their hands on some of these Czechoslovakians, and they're like, uh, these are good machine guns. Let's put them on this tank. Heck yeah. All right, great. Did Anything else on them? Uh, Yeah, we'll go ahead and go through the engine. The Churchill Heavy Tanks had a Bedford 12-cylinder four-stroke water-cooled engine. Actually, gasoline-powered, about 350 horsepower total. That's what came out of those. That's pulling a lot of weight, though. Yeah, it is. um, Even the Pershing, that was a doggy tank, had, what, 500 horsepower? I believe so. Wow. Yeah. So what was the power weight? Uh, the power weight ratio about nine point one horsepower per ton. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's... I, I think my push lawnmower has got a ten horsepower. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And the total speed of these creatures were about fifteen mile an hour, so they weren't going very fast at all. Well, and people are going to go, "Why did they make it make it so slow?" Well, that was British mandate. 
that the tank shouldn't be faster than the soldiers. They were supposed to support the infantry. So they're like, listen, we don't want these tanks rushing out in front, leaving the infantry behind with no protection. What was operational range on those? They had a range of about 56 miles. So we're talking gas guzzlers. (laughs) Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah, 12 cylinders is probably going to suck down the fuel pretty quick. Well, sounds like some of the Cadillacs I owned back in the day. (laughs) I think I was getting seven miles per gallon. If you ever want to go to broke, try to put gas or fill the gas tank of a 1992 Cadillac DeVille. Uh, I think the best gas mileage I got was like 7.2 miles. (laughs) All right, let's get into some of the other stuff. And what I mean by getting into some of the other stuff, let's get into the service history. I I know I want to get into the Depe raid, but let's start off with the North African. Uh, And this is some exciting stuff about the Churchill. It was first deployed down in North Africa. And when it was down there, of course, it had the six-pounder gun. One of the reasons I know so much about this North African campaign is because it fought a tiger. Now everybody's like, wait a minute are you saying the tiger you know and the churchill had a fight in north africa yeah it did and it had a huge fight it actually won well sort of basically the churchill tank uh in north africa had found the bovington's tiger 131 now most of our tank fans know that that the Tiger 131 is like the last operational uh, Tiger tank in the world, I think. Tiger 131 was also the Tiger tank that they used in the movie Fury. So the Tiger 131 is a pretty famous tank. I mean, even um, that's on Russ's bucket list, isn't it? Go yeah. see that. Oh, yeah. So basically what happened, uh, tell us a little bit about the battle. The battle actually occurred on April 21st in 1943. It was during the start of the Battle of Longstop Hill. A Churchill tank of the 48th Royal Tank Regiment got the better of the German Tiger I heavy tank. A six-pounder shot from the Churchill lodged between the Tiger's turret and turret ring, jamming the turret and injuring the German crew. They abandoned the Tiger which was subsequently captured by the British. And this particular Tiger tank, like Charlie said well ago, is known as the Tiger 131. And this Tiger was the first captured by the Western Allies and was particularly useful for intelligence. So here they are in the middle of the desert, and here's the Tiger tank. Not only is it just some random Tiger tank, it is the 131. So they fire their little six-pounder gun, and it doesn't really do much damage except it hurts some of the crew and stuff. So the crew, one of the couple of the crew guys are injured, but it really hasn't disabled the tank except jamming the turret. So they bail out and leave the tank, and the Churchill captures it. Kudos to the Churchill, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about, let's jump from North Africa uh, to the European theater. Uh, We are going to talk about the USSR, uh, the Soviet theater too, but I want to get this one out of the way. The Dieppe raid, or Depe, how do you say that? Dieppe. Dieppe. 
um, raid was mostly uh, carried out by the Canadians. If you don't know, the Canadians, they were hardcore. You know, these are brave soldiers uh, that, you know, were serving their country. Canada sometimes gets a negative view on stuff, but, you know, they were there. And, and these guys had trained hard for this raid. So kudos to the, you know, Canadi Canadian tankers and stuff. Uh, this is going to be the first attempted invasion. Now, when we say invasion of this DEP raid, um, what the plan was is they were going to uh, send these Churchill tanks and about 6,000 troops. I think there was like 50 U.S. Rangers and about 1,000 British troops. Of course, you, you know, if you're going to take a beach, you're going to need the U.S. Army Rangers. Go Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> but it, the Depp is a French port. It was on the uh, northern part of the French coast. But their job, basically, was about intelligence. They were, you know, getting ready for the big invasion, and they needed to get some information how they were going to get these tanks, you know, in, how they were going to drop off the troops, how they were going to get supplies, how they were going to carry it out, what kind of air support. So basically it was just a test and they were supposed to go in there, take it, get all this information and basically leave after a while. They weren't actually going to make it, you know, a real beachhead. The negative side of looking at this is that they sent these guys out to get slaughtered. You know, they're like, hey, we're going to run it up. We're not really going to make a big invasion. You guys are just going to get a toehold, do a lot of damage, and then we're going to come back. That's kind of a bad idea. You never want to give away real estate that you paid for with blood. Um, give us an idea of what kind of troops they had there. Nearly 60 Churchill tanks from the Calgary Regiment were allocated to support the infantry and commandos. They would be put ashore by landing craft. Some problems were anticipated and allowed for, so they actually waterproofed the hulls of the tanks. They laid out some canvas carpets to aid the tanks crossing the beach, and engineer teams were trained to demolish obstacles, and a few of the tanks were fitted with flamethrowers. So basically, uh, they're laying carpet down, so they don't get stuck on the loose rock of the beaches and stuff like that. And they're going to have these engineers blow out some of the, you know, tank, any tank defenses that they had up and barricades and stuff like that. And they were going to use the flamethrowers for some of the pillboxes and concrete bunkers that they had waiting on the beach for these guys. The actual commanders are like, okay, you know, with 60 tanks and 6,000 guys, we should be able to take this beach and do what we're supposed to do the german defenses were strong and several tanks in each of the four waves were lost on or before reaching the beach only 14 got off the shore and past the seawall so only 14 of the churchills got past the seawall out of those 60 yeah whoa that's not good although the tanks were effective in engaging the defenders in the town's buildings, their progress was blocked by concrete defenses. Uh, the demolition teams killed or pinned on the beach had not been able to accompany the tanks. So Churchills that actually made it into town weren't able to make it through the 
the defenses that the Germans put up. So they put up these concrete blocks, and the Churchills are like, hey, we can't get down the street. But the engineers were stuck on the beach, either dead or... Some tanks were able to return to the beach once a withdrawal had been signaled, but none was actually taken off. Several of them made it back to the beach, but they weren't able to, didn't have the time to actually take them off the beach and, and take them to be reused. The surviving tank crews fought to cover the withdrawal of the infantry from the beach and were captured after they had exhausted their main gun ammunition. Nearly 70% of the Canadians were killed, injured, or captured. None of the raid's objectives were met other than the secret raid on the radar station on a headland. 70%. 70% of these Canadian soldiers who were brave, they charged up there, they did the best that they could, were killed, captured, or injured. Now, I know after this raid, they brought down the German generals in the high command, and they started looking at these Churchill tanks, and they're like, this wasn't a real raid. They really weren't trying to do anything. And everybody's like, why? And he goes, well, look, these tanks that they've got are just so terrible. Look, it's got flat armor. It, it won't go very fast. I mean, they captured 60 of these tanks. You know, the Germans we've talked about in the past have caught, captured M4 Shermans and used them. Uh, the Russian or Soviet KV-2s and T-34s, they captured those and painted them. And uh, even the, the Lee, we've got pictures, uh, I think it was tank 136 or 132, that they actually uh, did some stuff. I can't remember any of them using the Churchill, the captured Churchills they had. Nope. They, they were just like, um, no, we're not going to use them. So what a tragedy, you know, and like they said, these final tank crews that had actually made it in the cities covered the infantry withdrawals to the ships and stuff. So these guys fought until they just didn't have any more ammo in their guns. And they were like, "We okay, we got to surrender. Now, we said the Soviets got some of these tanks. Um, we said what there were 344 of the Mark threes and fours. Yeah, the, yeah. And 91 were lost. And 91 were lost. Um, what kind of battles or what kind of actions did it see over there? In 1942 to 1943, uh, the Soviet Union used Churchill's in the Battle of Stalingrad. In 1943, the Soviet Fifth Guards tank army used Churchill's in the Battle of Prokovorka. Oh, isn't I that, know. I it, yeah. Isn't that one of our battle or uh, maps in uh, World of Tanks? Yes, it is. Yes, that is one of our maps. <laughs> All right. So shout out to our World of Tank guys. And they also used it in the Battle of Kursk and in the Battle of Kharkov. Wow, those are two maps that are in World of Tanks too. Yeah, it is. Um, again, we're not trying to push any you know anybody to play video games, but if you do. Um, we do love these maps, and we do love these tanks. Yeah, yeah. Such a great game. I'll tell you, I, I, I will. I'll plug the game and say that it's it's got a lot of history to it, and I think that's why I really enjoy playing the game. 
Now, if you ever see pictures of Russ and he starts to lose his hair in the sides, um, it's not that he's balding. He's actually pulling his hair out because yeah. he gets such bad games. Oh, I do. Any, anymore, I do. I get some really bad ones. But. I have people look at uh, how I play the tank game and uh, how I play World of Tanks, and they're like, wow, you're pretty good. you know. And I'm like, yeah, great. Yeah, because I get really good teams. And again, if you're not familiar, it's 15 tankers against 15 tankers. And uh, they're all over the world. If you're in England, you can play on the North American server. And, you know, there's tons of people playing. Uh, I think they uh, World of Tanks even has the Guinness Book of World Records of most players online at one time, yeah. which is kind of cool. We play these maps and... and Russell will get these other teams, and they're just terrible. Yeah, and he he gets he'll be the last guy on, and he's like, my entire team died and did no damage at all. <laughs> That's where the, the Churchill basically came into play with the you know Soviets, but it, the Churchill went into Germany too. I think there was a, a one of the battles in a German town, wasn't there, Russell? Yeah, uh, the German town of Gosch lay east of the Reichswald Forest, a scene of heavy fighting for the British Army as it's ground its way steadily into the heart of Germany. The 107th Regiment Royal Armor Corps and the elements of the 79th Armored Division had taken part in the fighting there through much of February of 1945. The poor condition of the local roads had made tough going for the Churchill tanks of both units as much as an enemy as the anti-tank mines and, and dog German resistance. So basically, they're going up in the mud. They're having trouble, you know, with the roads and stuff like that. And the Germans have just, they're fighting because it's actually in Germany. So these people are, these German soldiers are got the belief they are fighting for their country. I mean, they're actually in their country fighting now, and they've got these anti-tank mines. Uh, after clearing the forest, uh, the town of Goch fell uh, February 20th, 1945. However, uh, some of the pillboxes on the town's outer defense line continued to be occupied by German troops still wanting to fight. So these guys are like, no, no, we're in these concrete pillboxes, we're not going to give up. You know, these guys are fighting to the end. Well, I wonder how the British took care of this. Actually, to solve this problem, the British troops devised a successful technique that would destroy or capture them. Churchill tanks armed with either 75mm cannon or 95mm howitzers would shell the bunker in question. If the Germans inside still held out, then Churchill AVREs an engineer version armed with a large mortar called a petard and capable of lobbing 40 pounds of explosives would move in. Now, I think that's the 210-pound millimeter um, howitzer. Or it's not even a howitzer. It's just a uh, mortar. So it's lobbing 40 pounds of explosives. (laughs) The AVRE would hit the bunker. The massive charge doing substantial damage to the emplacement's interior and hopefully inducing surrender. I don't know about you, but I would probably 
Start waving the white flag pretty quick. If I'm in a concrete bunker and you just drop 40 pounds of derp on my head, no, no, I'm done. I'm like, yeah. But, you know, some of these guys were fanatical. Or I shouldn't say fanatical. I'm not trying to offend any of our German listeners, but some of these guys are like, no, we're, you're going to have to kill us. Oh, yeah. Fight till the end. But then they came up with another plan. If the 40 pounds of explosives didn't work and the Germans kept fighting, then they also had another plan that uh, the Churchill crocodiles would come in, flamethrowers mounted in their holes, a stream of flame would be fired, and one last chance for surrender given. If the soldiers in the pillbox still refused to give up, the structure would be doused in fire. Now, when we talk about the Churchill crocodile I, i'm hoping russell put a picture of one of those the crocodile was a flamethrower version of the tank uh, the churchill this actually sometimes would have a trailer behind it filled with this flamethrower material that they had and they would pump it in straight into the tank and people are like wait wait wait, wait a minute you you've got a trailer full of gasoline and napalm type material and it's right behind the tank and how much armor did that have well no it it wasn't armored and they just had it right behind it but they would go up to these bunkers and instead of just driving up there and dousing it they'd actually shoot a stream of flame to say here's what's coming you know you can't stop us we're gonna just douse you in gas and burn you alive you know what I give up. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't give up before, I'm guarantee you, you'd probably give up when you start seeing them start shooting that in your direction. If they, if somebody comes up to you and says, you want to get shot with his M1 rifle or do you want to get doused in gas and set on fire? Wow. Um, I could not imagine at all. You know, if they still refused, they douse it with gas and just flame it. Yeah. You know, and that's the horror of war. And You're right. Um, so anyway, we've gone a little long, uh, but I hope you've got a different attitude towards the Churchill. If you get out and get a chance, do some, uh, image, Google image search of some of the Churchill tanks. They are funny looking tanks. And I, I still do not know why I take, I fall in love with bad tanks. I think it's just because you're a funny looking dude. Oh, that's you right. like you like these funny looking tanks because you're a funny looking dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you you can find <laughs> pictures of Russell on our website, and you can't find pictures hey. of me because <laughs> I, I can't find anybody to want to break their camera. Oh, oh taking a picture of you, so make, making fun of the fat hey, kid again. No. Well, I think we're getting ready to close out. Is there any final information? So you want to say the website, our new website's information again? Yeah, you can get a hold of us at our new website at www.twotankersandcat.com. Now, on that .com, uh, our new website, is our phone number on there? Yes, all of our contact information is at the bottom of that page. Uh, You can scroll down through the page. And find all of our podcasts listed there, too. You can actually listen to the podcasts, um, one through nine. This is number nine that we're doing here. Um, All of those podcasts, as they come out, will show up there in that list. And you can actually listen to them through our website, too. Um, It's got a calendar on it of when the podcasts will be released, which is another new deal there. I kind of figured that. We might as well put that out there on on when we plan to release the podcast. 
And the main thing is our PayPal. Yes, and that will be the very first section of, the, of our new page towards the top. Now, we don't want anybody to think we're begging for money. And no. We're, we're like, if you have some extra mo- uh, money and you want to support us, we do have costs um, uh, for production and everything else that we've talked about earlier. If you want to help us out, great. If you want to donate a million dollars and send us to all the tank festivals, that'd be great too. Hey, hey, we'll, we'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, five bucks to help us, yeah. you know, with our production costs. Just, cost. just that, a dollar to, I mean, anything, anything that you can help us out with would be very much appreciated. Well, uh, we haven't brought up lightning today. No, we and, haven't. And lightning has been laying it's a little cold here now in uh, southeast Kansas. Um, basically, it's snowing in Kansas City, Missouri. And this cat has fell asleep right next to the heater right by our feet. And this cat is just having the heat blow on her, and she's just the happiest cat you have ever seen yes. in your life. Oh, it was crazy this afternoon because she was just rolling around with the heat blowing on her and 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 going crazy. I mean, she's she's a nut. When it comes to that, is there anything happier in life than a warm cat and tanks? Yes, I agree. <laughs> uh, this is Charlie signing off. And this is Russell. As always, happy tanking, and we'll see you next time.